Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Empire. Hello and welcome to the show. I am joined by Bram Weinstein, the voice of the Commanders, and we're going to be taking your questions and talking about the Commanders for the next 30 to 35 minutes or so. This, of course, is part of the John Conn Report podcast. If you are watching us on YouTube, thanks for joining us. If you're listening to this later, thanks for tuning into the show. As always, you can always find us on Empire Media. That's where we'll be all year. That's where we're having content four or five times a week with our videos and analysis of the commanders. So again, I'm joined by Bram Weinstein, the voice of the commanders. And first off, before we take some questions from fans, let's go back to the game. And I want to get your thoughts. I know I spent all day going over watching the game again, and I know you have as well. So what were some of your impressions after rewatching the win over the Jaguars? Saw Carson Wentz played really, really well. Yeah. Um, he made a bunch of throws, backpedaling, key throws at the end of the game. Um, I thought early in the first half, uh, the downfield blocking by some specific people like John Bates, uh, Dax Milne, Terry McLaurin on multiple occasions were really, really instrumental in some of the plays that um, developed really well. Thought they were for sure like very, very inventive on offense. Um, and defensively, I actually feel a little differently about the way that they played. I know like the secondary play got a lot of, you know, a, a lot of, I, I think, good reviews and mainly because of the many things Derek Forrest did. Um, but I thought the corner play was suspect. And as expected in the middle of the field, there's a problem, whether it's linebacker coverage. And I'm not getting concerned about Jamin Davis on like, Christian Kirk, that's just that's not fair to him, um, but other situations. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's a mixed bag, honestly, after rewatching, but I do feel like the offense showed of the versatility that we thought they could have. And I thought Wentz played really, really, really well, um, you know, short of a mistake or two here or there. And, you know, Bram, for me, rewatching it, I enjoyed re-watching that offense it probably it took me back to Robert Griffin III's rookie year where when you go back and watch it it was so much fun to watch it because it was a different attack and you could see the way they what they were trying to do but also the way it confused the defense that was a fun thing to watch and I saw a lot of those elements in this game plan and with this talent base on Sunday and just what they can do for example on the Armani Rogers screen, you have a jet action with Curtis Samuel. So the defense starts sliding. Before the snap, there were like, I think it was six defenders on that side of the ball, on, on that, on the out, on to the center's left. There were like six, I think it was six defenders. You fake the jet to Curtis Samuel, then you fake a handoff to Antonio Gibson going the other way. 
Then Wentz turns and throws to Rodgers. When he turns and throws, there's one defender on that side of the field, and it's a corner like 15 yards back. That's like you don't – we haven't seen stuff like that because they haven't had the talent to do that. That was time and time again. And it was fun to watch how Curtis Samuel, the attention that he got from the defense and the impact that he makes. Two plays. Two plays were huge in the fourth quarter. He didn't make either one of them, but his presence opened up the play. The first one, third down and eight to Logan Thomas. It's a three-by-one set. So you have McKissick, Dotson, and Logan Thomas on the left. Samuel, three-by-two, Samuel and Terry McLaurin out to the right. You have Dotson runs a go route. McKissick on the outside runs across the middle. Uh, Thomas hits up the seam and cuts out. Samuel comes across the middle. When Samuel comes across the middle, three defenders have their eyes on him and they start crowding around him. Do you know who's wide open? A tight end who caught 90 passes over 20, what, 20 or 22 games in his, first, in his first year and a half here. He's wide open, 27 yards. Next play, the play to McLaurin. Huge play. Do you know who the safety was focused on down the seam? There was a double coverage on that, or his attention was to Curtis Samuel down the seam. So the safety on the outside half, and if he's playing it more honestly, he has a chance to get over and break up that pass to McLaurin, but he doesn't. He's cheating toward Samuel down the, down the middle, and that opened up the throw for Carson Wentz to Terry McLaurin. That's what that guy can do. So it's a, I love, love, love watching the impact of guys who don't have the ball and what happens with it. So I, I love what they did offensively. Two plays by, or a couple plays by Wentz that I really liked that were not because of the throw necessarily, but because of the execution. And it was the first touchdown pass to Dotson. He rode that fake so long that I was like, at first I'm like, is that an RPO? But then you didn't see the other elements of it. And it's like, it was just a long extended fake. And he did that. He had to do that because the safety is sitting in the area that he's trying to get to Jahan Dotson. But because he rides a fake, the safety thinks Gibson has the ball and flies up after he after Wentz pulls out. It's an open pass to Dotson, but it was the fake that got the opening. And then there was another time where I don't even remember the results of the play. I know it was a good gain, but what he it was the execution of his fake. So he hands it off to Gibson. I think Gibson gets like six, seven, eight yards, or maybe 10, six, seven, eight yards, something like that, going to the left. But it was the carryout of the fake by Wentz that drew, that froze the defenders on that side, and it creates an opening for Gibson over here. I love watching that stuff. It's the subtle parts of the game, but I thought he did that pretty well. He made a couple mistakes late on. You know, it wasn't a boneheaded pick on the first one. It was a late throw, and Curtis Samuel's open underneath. I think that's where he should have gone, um, but he hesitated, and he paid. The second one was a hell of a play by Walker, not a good throw by Wentz. Um, but it was a hell of a play by Walker. So, but I want general, you, you know what, John? Though, watch that play again and tell me why Gibson is where he is on that play. Go watch it. Like Walker made it. Walker makes an unbelievable play. Yes, I and you hear Robert yes. Smith on the broadcast say he needs to see that guy flash there, and he has to throw it in the ground. And even Wentz admitted this. But I got to tell you, I rewatched this, and my gut was because it happened live, so I couldn't really react. And we talked the other night, I couldn't really react. And I'm like, I think that that's just a really great play by a number one overall pick, and it looks that way. Go look where go look where Gibson was on this play. He was not where he was supposed to be. No, clearly. it was you're right. 
You're right. And, and, you know, and so, yes. And so, but um, let's, so just two more minutes. And then um, I think the other thing is, and someone just put this up here, when Brian Robinson is back, it's going to add even more diversity to this offense. Cause now you have another guy that if you spread things, you can run him and the way he runs, it's going to be, it's, it's just going to add to the diversity they already have on defense. I agree with you. I didn't, I thought William Jackson played better in the second half. There are concerns at corner. And, you know, I, what I really liked was the pass rush. And during the game, I didn't yeah. think I had an appreciation for it when we were watching, but after rewatching it, the, what I really liked was some of the coordinated pass rushes. John Allen gets a sack off of a stunt with Montez Sweat, and it was a well-executed stunt. Sweat gives himself up inside. Allen comes out sack. The other part that I liked, and this was something that didn't always happen last year, but John Deron Payne, you remember his sack late? That was not a planned stunt. He tried. He wins to the inside because he wins inside. John Allen read that and loops to the outside and prevents Allen from having the lane to step up. That's what we didn't see enough of last year, but we saw it on the other play on the other day. And I think that was a good thing to see. So, you know, that, that I was, I want to say something else with pass rush um, of what you saw and what I saw too. And I think this is really important because like over the last, you know, a couple months, few weeks, really, we've both talked about, they can't just rely on that group, you know, that right. they've got to bring the heat. And early in the game, I thought they did dial up some stuff with Forrest, with St. Juice that got to Lawrence there early. That's a that's at least a good offensive line. Maybe not a great one, but that's a good one. Cam Robinson was a franchised player. Brandon Sheriff is a franchised player. We know how good he is. Ben Barch is a very good guard. Like so that's not that's not a bad line. The sack that you referenced by Allen, four man rush. The three yeah. plays at the end of the game, all of them were where they hit Lawrence and on the last one rattled him so much he chucked one up in the air for no good reason whatsoever. Four man rush each one of those times. So if that's going to become a more uh, prevalent part of their arsenal, then I like what I see. I My gut tells me they need to bring more heat in general, just based off past performance. But that was a really, really good sign for the defense that even without Chase Young, in critical moments, four-man rushes were getting home. And with the game on the line, they only brought four three straight times and hit Lawrence on every single play. And one of those guys doing that was Casey Tuhill. And, you know, he had a pressure on one of those. And so that was really good. I thought Deron Payne and somebody just Pac-Man D3 just put this up on the chat here. He he had a – Deron Payne played really well. And there were a couple of times where he did – he got definitely got the best of Brandon Sheriff on a few, a few plays. So I thought they did a nice job. I think the offensive line did a really good job as well, especially in protection, that touchdown to Dotson – they came with seven, they, they blitzed seven. And on that play, John Bates handles Trevon Walker. McKissick picks up a blitzer and they, they kept it free for Wentz. I thought Charles Leno did a really nice job. Um, but I did, like you, the, the concern would be the back seven and just how they did it. Will they improve? And there were a couple things that, you know, there are a couple of times where Jackson definitely gives up a little bit of cushion in that zone. Um, I think, you know, I, I thought St. Juice did a pretty good job. I think Kendall Fuller can play better. So, you know, I really like what Derek Forrest added. And I really liked – it wasn't just some of the big hits. I thought he played with awareness. For example, the one pass he deflected in the back of the end zone, that play's coming from the other side. He's on the left hash. The receivers come from the other side. His job is to do exactly what he did, but you've got to see it too first 
to recognize this is now my job. And he did. And I think that was a good sign. But again, you know, there are things, there are definitely things to clean up on defense. They've got to play better. Um, But that pass rush was a good place to start for them. And they're going to have a challenge this week at Detroit and DeAndre Swift. Yeah, him, no, guy, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to talk a lot about it. And I should, because I didn't watch him play yet. Like I've not watched the tape of the Lions Eagles game. So I think I'd be just kind of really, I'd be talking out of my, you know what, if I was like trying to say, I, my gut tells me, just go look at their offensive line, what they have, who they drafted a year ago, what they have and how Swift started here. And I think Swift's very good running back, uh, underrated. Uh, I think they're gonna have a problem with the run game, but I'm just saying that on face value without having watched them yet. So I need to kind of take a look. One other thing on the defense in rewatching the game, and because Derek Forrest got so much publicity and made so many plays, everyone's initial reaction is like, oh, man, they're good back there. I'm telling you they missed Cam Curl bad on Sunday, yeah. really badly. Like, not that Forrest didn't play really well. He did. And I thought he did his part really well and made game-changing plays for them. And that's great. But the middle of the field, as I anticipated, is a danger zone for them. Whether it's the linebackers getting caught on a slot receiver, which should not happen, or our corners getting caught. Christian Kirk had a 100-plus yard day. Most of his catches took place in the middle of the field or started in the middle of the field. This is going to be a problem. If there's good receiving running backs coming out of the backfield that flare into the middle of the field, this is going to be a problem. So I need Cam Curl back. I think he's instrumental. Rewatching showed that to me. And the only other person I would bring up to you just to get your reaction to was Jamin Davis got picked by his own player once. Jamin Davis in coverage is a problem. Jamin Davis heading towards the line of scrimmage, though, can be a difference maker. So I don't know how that fits in with the whole scheme. But in game one, the whole idea that it's been improved significantly, I need to see a lot more from him. That said, when he's moving forward towards the ball and the plays in front of him, I love the impact he can have. When he's out in coverage, it is still a problem right now. Well, and I agree with you. I think, and that, that's something they, that they discovered early in training camp was that the more they can get him co- aligned co- closer to the line of scrimmage, the better off he is. The more aggressive he is, the quicker he reads it, et cetera. So it, it's not just um, as a pass rusher, it's about defending the run. That's where he has to improve there. In coverage, I thought the Jaguars did a good job. Listen, that pass that, that Christian Kirk caught against him, you go back and watch, rewatch it. There is nobody else, nobody within 20 yards of those two players. So all Christian and Christian Kirk, all he has to do, he doesn't even, he doesn't, he barely sells the fake to the outside and Jamin kind of bites because it's Christian Kirk and his head never turns outside. Jay, or Kirk's doesn't, it's all inside because he knows that's where the money is. And it was wide open and it's an impossible task. For a linebacker. So you can't, and that's one thing Rivera talked about after the game. You can't have a linebacker covering Christian Kirk in that situation. Yeah. And so that's something and that's yeah, I'm not on him about like, that. That's a bad matchup. Like that, that's not yeah. fair. I'm not I'm no, not gonna not. I'm not gonna hit him up for that. But go check him out in coverage with running backs yeah. when he's going up to cover. Go check yep. him out anywhere else. And I mean, there was one play, he got picked by his own guy, you know. So there that are was, still there's that a was lot the one down the scene. Yeah. yeah, that was the one down the scene. And and you're right. And he like on with ETN, it's it's taking the proper angle. You you have the leverage, take the proper angle. Um, so yeah, I mean he's and it's funny, Bram, because this summer in practice, when he'd cover, like he would do a really good job at times, especially against like JD McKissick, who is a really dangerous receiver, and he's got those moves, and he would do a pretty good job with it. But 
you know, sometimes when you're facing your own, this is why it's good to face other def- other players in the summer because you get a different look from another guy. I want to mention this too. Nathaniel put up, don't forget about Logan Thomas. Um, I didn't no, know no, how big much you to play at all, right? Big Logan. And, and yeah, and I thought, you know, like he's going to get put, like what's he going to, like what's the pitch count going to be? He played more snaps than Bates did. He played 62% of the snaps. He was instrumental on a couple of humongous third down conversions. Right. I, I was pleasantly surprised. I think that was an incredible development. I didn't think when we started camp, he'd be playing week one. I wasn't sure he'd play the first quarter of the season. All of a sudden, not only is he playing, he plays an instrumental role and looks pretty good doing it. So that was another really nice development for them on Sunday. And I'm glad he brought that up because it's he who's going to benefit as much as anybody from the skill talent. It's going to be him. And again, there were two different plays. One was there was 27 yarder, but earlier in the game, there was another one where it was the one where Carson overthrows him. And like he's wide open because the attention paid to the others. And he's going to be a major threat just because of that. And the thing with this offense, Bram, like McLaurin only had two catches. They scored 28 points. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, you know I, like, I, I think like I've anticipated, well, I'm hoping this is the case that every week you're going, well, this guy, you know, got lost in the offense or got ignored and they won. Like this is supposedly the good problem that you're going to have. Like there's a one ball problem here, but it should be a one ball. It should be a one ball problem for everybody else. Um, and I thought, I got to tell you, like, I thought, you know, considering, I think I used the line a million times. Like I felt like they hid their offense from themselves for week one. It didn't look that way to me. And I got to give Scott Turner a lot of credit. I mean, I really, like, I thought it was very inventive. They caught people off guard. The space between their receivers and the Jaguars defenders who are really fast in their front seven, they had no idea what was coming. They had a really beautifully designed play to Armani Rogers with a back block by Chase Roulier. I do want to mention the athleticism of the offensive line was on display. I didn't know what to expect from Andrew Norwell after he'd missed so much camp, but now I see why they were happy to get him here. He can move, move fast. Roulier had a good moment. Cosme can move. I saw him pull a couple of times and get into the lanes. Yes, there were mistakes on the offensive line. Yes, I'm worried about Schweitzer potentially not being available to them. I think that's a big deal just as a rotational piece or potentially a starter for them if he's going to be out for any period of time. But I thought the offensive line all in all played very well and showed off a lot of athleticism the other day. Well, and here's here's the other thing, too. And two, I brought up McLaurin. McLaurin and McKissick combined for 78 yards receiving and they scored 28 points. Like those are two, like if that had happened the last couple of years, they probably don't have a chance to score 20 points, let alone 28. And I think that's where that's where this offense is different. And you're right, like the summer. What we did know was that Curtis Samuel looked pretty good and that he was going to make guys miss and that Jahan Dotson looked good and that we know Terry McLaurin and we saw we started to see Gibson being more involved in the pass game out of the backfield. But we didn't know how it was going to all look together and the way they're going to do. And you're right, like there were a number of times where they created extra space for the offensive guys simply because the direction and the design of the play and you've got to honor Dotson on a jet. You've got to honor Samuel on that. And if you do, then you're free, you're frozen for a second. And now you're creating space. If you come back over here, which they would, then you create space for that guy to run, especially Samuel. You give Samuel or McKissick an extra five yards, they're going to make a guy miss. Like you have that five yard cushion, they're going to make you miss. And that's so, you know, I don't want to get carried away with it because it's one game. It's just that it was the best 
start offensively that they've had in a while and yep. where you say, wow, this could be fun. You know, it's like there was a lot of unselfish play too. I mean, that's that's really the part that I took away from it on offense that I really liked about what happened. Like, sir, McLaurin did not get a lot of targets, only had a couple of catches. One was a huge one, but only had a couple of catches. And so you sit there and go like, what was his impact? I'm telling you, go rewatch. You will see on a couple of different occasions where he had instrumental blocks that sprung plays. One that saved a sack from happening. He saved a sack from happening, coming across the field and clipping a guy to let Wentz get by. And then I don't remember. It was a it was either a Samuel catch or the Samuel touchdown. I don't know. He pulled the pick on that. So Bates blocking down field and blowing people up. The offensive line doing what they're supposed to do, showing off athleticism. The the receivers blocking for one another, including McLaurin. Like this is the sign of an offense that's going to be very, very, very difficult to stop, no matter who they play. My bigger concern, and I'm coming into the season, I felt this way. My bigger concern is the defense, and nothing has changed after Sunday. And no, it just I, there are signs that I liked, like the four man rush getting home on key critical moments were great. Derek Force emergence really, really great. Thought Cole Holcomb outside of you know the missed tackle on the walk in touchdown. I thought he played really well. You know, like but. The corner play and the middle of the field, as expected, is an issue. And a lot of people are pointing out in the chat, like they're they're a they're a rolled ankle away from any one of those positions of being in trouble, trouble. Yeah. So I think the depth is going to be really tested here. And they've got to get some answers in the middle of the field. And I don't know where they're going to find them. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The NFL's opening week was action-packed, and it's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $250 in free bets instantly. Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, to get $250 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code KIME, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for the details. And, and I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. And I, I want to go back to your unselfish play part because you know who suggested the Dotson play at the end of the game who said, we need to go back to that play? To It was Terry McLaurin. So he is suggesting a play for another receiver to go make a big play. And that's just kind of who they are. I just think it's it's not surprising, but it was, it was something that, like, they all have, and, you know, um, hold up you know, just put up there about McLaurin with his pass blocking college and is absolutely right. And he was also known for, you know, special teams play, the little things that matter in a game. So I think that helps. And and um, to Farbod, who just posted something and a note here about Forrest Curl McCain in the field is going to be a huge difference. I agree. 
And that's we don't know when Cam Curl is going to be back. Still has a pad, little pad on his hand. Um, and we'll see. We'll learn more on Wednesday where he's at. But you can then do different things with your coverages in certain situations. You could take out a Jamin Davis and go with three safeties and three corners if you really wanted to in certain packages. Yeah. You know, and, and just do different things with it to get your best cover guys in there or your best defensive players in there. And Curl is certainly one of them. And Derek Forrest has been a pleasant surprise since the start of really OTA work. So, yeah. Graham, you want to let's. Curl was, Curl was, re- I want to reiterate, like, because it's just so easy off of what happened. You just think, you think like, you just have perceptions of what it was. I'm telling you, Curl was missed badly. Like his presence not being in the middle of the field was huge. So I'm really hoping um, that we get that we get him in there. Oh, look at this one. This one's for you. This one is for you. That is for you. Better linebacker option. (laughs) Sam. Okay. Oh, it's Ben Standing. Look at that. Don't you have a cat? You're going to be available. I'm going to tell you, we're going to send you the link and we're going to let you in the studio next time. Yeah, um, better linebacker. Oh, by the way, too, I'm gonna. I will apologize for the lack of production value at our first stream here on Tuesday night. We'll work on that. I know this is very plain, but we'll we'll work on it. This is our first go with this thing. This is old. This is old school stream, <clears throat> Bram. This is old school streaming. You know, back in the day when the we streamed, it was just like this. this is your Zoom calls. <laughs> yes, there, there you go. So, but yeah, if anybody has questions, fire away because we're happy to answer them or topics that you want to hear addressed. So, all right, let me give you a couple that I want to hear what you have to say about it. Okay. Um, why not go get a veteran defensive tackle? They haven't done that yet. I would agree with that. And I think that's a need because I'm concerned about that area. And, you know, I like the, they, they can use FAO Bada in there, um, but it's not his strength. They can use him in there, but it's not what he does best. As a fourth option there, that's fine. I like Daniel Wise. Um, I've all, I've liked him, but you do need to go get someone else. And I, I would agree with that. And I don't, I don't have a good answer for why not, but I do think you need to go get that guy and get somebody who can just, I mean, and this is where they miss with Mathis is a guy that can take up some space and understands how to, to set guys up and play an unselfish brand up front. So yeah, I would, I don't, I would go get one um, because I'm just concerned about the depth. And it goes back to the Tim Settle situation, Bram. Like they had a chance to keep him and they they botched it. And and that's all that's all there is to it. And because if they had if they had they knew they were going to cut Ionitis. If you had cut him a few days earlier, then you can start negotiations with Settle before that open tampering period. Once he had open tampering and they agreed to Buffalo, he wasn't going back. And McKissick did, they got fortunate there. Settle wasn't, and they could really use him. Um, so, and if but if Mathis stays healthy, not as huge an issue. Though I still would. All right, here's a good one uh, from the right. Rubster. Once Campbell does come back, how do you think Defoe gets utilized? Do you think they'll be switched around in the Buffalo nickel role? I think that's a really good question. I, you know, I think Derek Forrest cemented himself as a very big rotational person here for this team and really showed up in a way that they needed him very badly in Curl's absence. That doesn't, in my opinion, change the fact that Curl was missing and obviously missing for them. So when he does come back, what do you think now? Right, and I think one of the things that has impressed me with Forrest is he was playing back a lot. Like he would play in the two deep, he would play back, and he would play some single high as well. So he showed he can do that. 
And that gives you that versatility as well. So when curl comes back, what they in a in an ideal situation for them, if you can put curl down in the box, or maybe deep, deep, a force goes on the box and you have curl and, and McCain deep. McCain was also going up in the box at times with deep with Forrest back deep middle. So that's something that they, that he gave them. And you know, so it's the versatility. So I'm going to use curl more in the box because I think I think Forrest really is good back there too. I mean, we saw that on the last on the last play. But I think what I would do is create some confusion for the offense who's going to rotate up there and who's not. So I just think it gives you options. Yeah. But I like I, think I like the necessary in the middle of the field. His presence was missed and they need it. Um, here's a good one from Nathaniel. And I'm I'm curious about this too. Why do our corners play off the receivers so much? So I've talked a lot about this in the spring and I don't or in the summer, and I don't want to to sound like I'm defending like playing really soft and all that. But here's part of the explanation. Uh, first of all, like after the Kansas City game is when we started to hear a lot about this. They got hurt by one play in that game because the corner was off. And it was like the first play of the game against, against William Jackson. He was like 10 yards off, something like that. And it was like a little curl. They got 10 yards on the play. Every, the other plays that happened were not a result of that. But that's when we started to hear more and more about it this year. I heard about it in the past. So there are times where here my, – my issue, Bram, here is I think they have corners who aren't necessarily – like Seattle, when they had their Legion of Boom and all that, their corners had a – were a certain style, right? They, they were both play – they both were good at, you know, the cover three, playing physical at the line. That's what the corners they got. I think in Fuller and Jackson, you have two corners who are different in what they do. I think Fuller is typically better playing off. What it does is it gives you the vision to the quarterback and allows you to drive in the ball. There are times where those like Jackson got beat a couple times the other day when he's playing press. Now, there, I'm going to say all this, and at times I'm saying the same thing that everybody else here is like, there are a couple times where Jackson looks like he gives up a little bit too much cushion in a deep cover three, and there's five, he's five yards behind the receiver, and there's nothing else around him. And, you know, why aren't you a little bit closer? I'm with you on all that. But there are times where, like I'm watching the other day, and there are a couple of times where the corners are a little bit deeper, and there was a, either a linebacker or a um, safe, an extra safety or, or a nickel corner inside, where they're buzzing to the flat, and the corner's coming, playing in a cover three look, right? So you're not really being hurt by that off coverage in those cases. Other times, you're just too far off. And if you notice, like Jackson, I, I wondered too, and I talked about this with somebody last year, is it a sign of his comfort level in zone? Because he's, if you watch, he's always like, if Kendall Fuller is seven yards off the receiver, Jackson probably going to be about eight. And it seems like give him that little bit more to read. And just that, I think it's that comfort level in zone. Is he still, is he there yet? I Having said that, there were a couple of times I saw him switching and carrying his guy and doing a good job with that. So I don't know if it's as huge an issue. And again, some of the plays where he had more issues is when he was closer to the line. So, you know, but it gives you the ability to read. I'm not saying it's right all the time. Sometimes the coaches will give the, the corners the option of like, this is the coverage we're in. You got to be here. Do what you need to do to be comfortable to play that way. Right now you can call press, you can call this. But a lot of times they'll leave it up to the corners as to how do you want to play it. So it's not always a scheme like the scheme says, play nine yards off. 
It's not always, it's not usually that, um, but you know, why they do it sometimes it's comfort level. But again, like, I don't mean to be long winded on this. I just think it's a, it's such a long discussion. Like Kendall Fuller plays with his vision so well and drives on the ball a little bit better. And, you know, and then, then William does in that case, cause he's just more comfortable playing a little bit closer consistently. So, you know, this guy hates how you say Kendall Fuller's name. So, Fuller? uh, yeah, I mean, full, full. <laughs> all right. Welcome to live buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the other one Thanks, I wanted to point to out. For. Uh, <laughs> other side of the ball. One other thing I wanted to point out to you. Um, I, I saw this in the second preseason game. And it was when Curtis Samuel, they, they purposefully put him in motion. Every single play. They just put him in motion, put him in motion, put him in motion. And I just came away going, that's going to be their tell for yeah. Wentz. However, the, the defense adjusts to him. And he went in motion. The entire Jaguars team runs to the side. He goes, that's the play to Armani Rogers. And these are the yeah. moments where I went, Scott Turner did a really good job for week yeah. one. I mean, like it was great block Roulier, great schemed up play, used Samuel's motion against the leverage of a fast team. That's going to watching him catch ball after ball after ball. It was just a great spot. Great moment. Tip of the cap, Scott Turner on that one. And, and that was one of the plays I talked about earlier, but you're right. And it's funny because when I saw him go in motion a couple of times, I thought about our conversation after the first preseason game because you were that was one of the things you harped on after the game because it was a good tell. It was a good way for Wentz to get a tell. But they have to the difference, like for people, if you remember five, six years ago when Maurice Harris is running the jet sweep, teams aren't gonna honor that stuff. Cause you know, what I mean, like if he's open, he's gonna get four or five yards. But when you have Samuel or Dotson doing it and the timing is right, there are a couple of times he ran it where the timing was off and they're not gonna move like. He's already behind the guard and the tackle when the ball is snapped. So you're not going to honor that, that, that action, but man, when it, when it works, it really works. And you're right on that Rogers play. It wasn't, it was the, it was the jet action by Samuel. And then it was the fake to Gibson. So who are you going to honor? You've got to honor both plays and then boom, you hit it to an athletic tight end in his first game. I mean, that's, that's what was fun about this. I mean, shoot, Bram, we didn't even talk about like Antonio Gibson, getting open down the field yeah. it's because it's a play fake to Jonathan Williams. You have two bigger backs in the backfield. You yeah. play out, you, you fake to him. Gibson's behind the linebackers before he, before um, they realize that, you know, it's a pass and now you're open down the field and you have a safety coming over and it's a good pass. I mean, it was, it was a fun offense to watch. I go, if you remember the Colts opener a few years ago was Alex Smith's first start here. And that was as boring an offense mm. that I can recall in a long time. And they, the coaches played a basic cover two. And I remember thinking like, oh, my goodness. And what, I, what we saw Sunday, I was like, wow, it's going to be fun to see how this unfolds. Remember, like, what did we all say? Like, they're not going to hit their stride early. And I don't think they have, you know. So and a lot of that, though, with a stride as a team is going to be defensively. Because they're And here's the other thing. I'm curious to see how defenses react to this. What do they do? What do what do the Lions do this week? What do the Eagles do in two weeks? So how are teams going to react to it? And then what's the counter off that? It's the same thing with, again, with Robert. When Robert ran the zone read, okay, you know defense is going to react. So what's your, what's your next chess move? And that's what I think is fun to watch. That's what's yeah. going to be fun to watch. And, you know, for someone like – for people like us who like to go back and watch the games, it's a lot of fun to see – 
those, those machinations and what do you do next? And somebody asked about Cole Turner. What I was told last week and it was on Friday that I, I knew he wasn't going to play because what they wanted, he missed a lot of time in training camp. For a rookie, that's tough to do. So they want to give him more practice reps. So I think it depends on how this week goes. We could see him Sunday. I would think by the Eagles game, you'll see him out there. Um, but a lot of it stems from wanting to get him more practice reps to get him more game ready. It's not about the injury at this point, and it hasn't been for a couple of weeks. It's just about all the time he missed. It's crucial. And the other thing is they have three tight ends who are uh, two tight ends who are good and a third who showed he can go out and help you. So I think it lessens the urgency to get him back right away, but I, but next week or the week after. All right. So uh super bowl or what, what do you think? I mean, that's what today. I mean, I booked Glendale already. Didn't you? <laughs> I mean, that's, and you know, the funny thing is Bram, like we don't know anything about anything just yet because like, we don't know how good is Jacksonville. We still don't know. We don't know how good this team is. I like the potential of this offense. Yeah. We don't know, like, you know, after, like, I mean, who saw the Giants beating Tennessee? You know, if I read, um, you know, I'll, I'll give you the because uh, you know I have to do a million stats for the game. Um, all right, how about this one? So uh, nine of the fourteen teams who made the playoffs a year ago won in Week One, wow. and th- three of the five that didn't win in Week One lost to playoff teams. So there were only two teams that lost to a non-playoff team that ended up making the playoffs last year. And secondarily, seven of the 14 teams that made the playoffs in 2020 did not make it in 2021. It's the third time in the last five years that that's happened. So things are really upside down. So maybe we shouldn't be shocked that Seattle, the Giants, uh, Chicago, uh, they're all one to know. Nobody has a win in the AFC South. This is a weird league. You know, I still think Buffalo looks like a monster, but yes. like everybody else is in the same boat. And this was a really good start. I, you know, we can nitpick everything. It was a really yeah. good start. I think they have a lot of work to do on the defensive side of the ball when they take on. And I got to tell you, like, I was not impressed watching Trevor Lawrence play live. And I was less impressed when I watched him back. Um, he has a propensity to backpedal with any pressure in the pocket and the ball is nowhere near his target when he's doing that. And the fact that they're not rolling him out more or running more with him to me seems crazy, but okay, maybe they'll come around to that at some point that they have to do this. Like, but the defense, the defense for me had some very good moments. There were some very good spot plays by certain players. There's a lot left to be desired. There's a lot to work on. So I'm, you know, I'm hoping we'll see that improve as the season goes along. And then my last two things, and this is one thing I forgot to bring this up earlier. I had it in my notes, but I was talking to Logan Paulson and someone tougher guy just said NFC is suspect. And I agree. I think the NFC is, will be wide open. I, you know, I think there are a lot of teams. We don't, we, we don't know how good green Bay really is going to be. We know how good Aaron Rodgers is still a lot to learn about the NFC. But one thing that when I was talking to Logan Paulson on Monday, just, I love talking about the game and one of the things that we talked about was their ability to use the entire field, you know, and threaten in every quadrant of the field because the quarterback, because the talent that is really different for them. So that's a nice thing to have. The other thing with Lawrence and you, you brought it up and there were a couple of throws he absolutely missed. And then there were a couple of throws that he missed two touchdown throws. He yeah. missed well, touchdown the one, throws. 
yeah. crap. And those are those are huge. Now, one of them, the one to Zay Jones that he missed was a, to me the result was a result of basically what you said earlier: backpedaling because there was pressure and he had to throw quickly. But man, like the one to ETN was just a miss, and that's a bad miss. And there were a couple, and there were a couple of bad misses. And I would say this: like Carson Wentz had a couple of misses. Now, on the usually on his misses, this is the other thing. They had a first down, a second and twenty, and they end up with a TD on that drive. You know, and so like yeah. and, you know, on that first drive, the first miss to to um, to Jahan Dotson, wide open, just a bad miss, and they still end up converting because Curtis Samuel. And then they had another bad miss to Logan Thomas. And they still end up converting because that's who they that's who they were on Sunday. They have, you know, to do do it consistently. And one of the things with Carson Wentz, I think it was a good debut for him. A couple tough throws. We know it. It's going to be like that. As Ron Rivera said, take your antacids. But one thing that when for our NFL Nation group, we talked to Troy Aikman, and maybe I mentioned this on the last podcast, talked to him like a week or two ago. And I asked him about Wentz and what he thought. And he said, like, he's got it's the consistency. It's not just game to game. It's play to play, series to series. So the key for him is come out next week and and just do it again, do it again, do it again. And and you can rewrite the narrative that surrounds you by doing that. And, you know, you go out and do that and then you have Philly coming in the next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't know. So I would give you a preview of the Lions. I just haven't watched them play yet. So I'm going to do I've that about, I, I watched about 10 plays of DeAndre Swift. I like how the Lions block up front. They did a good job of creating space for him. And a big key for him will be um, if you get him in space, he's going to make a guy miss. You've got to have people around him to gain tackle. And But, again, sometimes, like he had a seven-yard touchdown run. He wasn't touched. It was play design. It was, and, and they do a good job with the receivers cracking down. Um, their blocking was really good. And if you get that guy the second level, it's going to be trouble. So I mean, just on paper, their personnel on their offensive line is strong. So yes. it's probably the strongest unit on their team. So I'll be interested to take a look how they how they manage their run game. And, you know, I, I would assume off of just statistics that there's going to be opportunities for Washington to showcase their offense again. So hopefully we'll get a chance to do that on so, Sunday. Last one, then. Do we have any other questions or anything from anybody? Uh, no. All right. Well, then let's wrap it up, Bram. This was a lot of fun. Thanks to everybody who joined us for our first YouTube live streaming session. We will be doing this every Tuesday at 730. So we'll talk about the game and look ahead and just rehash everything and take your topics and questions. So thanks a lot for joining me, Bram, and thank everybody else out there for tuning in. And as always, we'll talk to you next time.